Uh, well, again, welcome to Living Hope Church. We're so glad that you are with us uh, today. Um, if your children are going down to children's church or to preschool, they can head uh, towards the back door with Miss Melody. Um, and again, I uh, just wanted to introduce Don. Uh, we're so glad to have Don here. Don, uh, again, is in charge of church planting in our state. He has been a good friend of our family and also just a blessing to this church uh, throughout the process. And we're so thankful to have him here. Uh, I always leave encouraged and excited after he preaches and uh, just so thankful. We got to go on a, a mini vacation with our family and didn't have to write a sermon this week. So we are <laughs> blessed to have him here. So, Don, thank you. I'm glad to know I'm worth something anyway, you know. Good for something. Oh, wasn't the worship music good this morning? Wasn't that awesome? Uh, just reminded again as we, as we do worship that we have a Father in heaven that loves us. Uh, think about that for a minute. It, it just it blows my mind uh, as I look in God's word from Genesis to Revelation and, and see just how incredible his love is for you and for me. Uh, I don't know about you, but I know me pretty well, and <laughs> I'm not all that lovable some days, but, but he still loves us, uh, even as we face the craziness of this world. You know, it seems like we're living in a, a, a very uncertain time, doesn't it? Uh, you turn on the TV and see what's going on in the world, and, 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 and there's just not a lot of encouragement. Uh, we see the consequences of sin and brokenness, and I guess we could argue that has always been around since Adam and Eve first made that fatal choice to disobey God. God. Uh, it's always been with us, but it seems like the ugliness of sin and, and, and that uh, mean-heartedness uh, just abounds in our world today. So much division, uh, politics, race, religion, uh, gender, uh, everything is polarized today. And, and as I, as Rondi, as Dr. Taylor uh, asked me to come and preach, it, did, you all knew he received his doctorate this weekend? Yeah? Didn't, didn't you know that? Yeah. Doc, I've got a pain, right? No. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't like me to point it out like that, I know, but that's, that's quite an accomplishment, so we need to, to acknowledge that. You know, this morning, as, as uh, Rondi asked me to, to preach here recently and be with you, I, I really uh, went immediately to Isaiah chapter 43, and I want to ask you to turn there with, with me. And, and there in that passage, I, I think there's encouragement for us in a crazy world that we live in uh, as we recognize how much God loves us, because those first few verses really are a great reminder of God's love. In Isaiah chapter 43, now this is what the Lord says. Now, if you're going to start a conversation, that's a pretty good conversation, isn't it? This is what the Lord says. We, we kind of perk up and listen at this point. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. I'll be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. They will not, you will not be scorched when, the, when you walk through the fire. And the flame will not burn you. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel and your Savior, gave Egypt as a ransom for you and Cush and Sheba, Seba in your place. 
because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Let's bow together in prayer, shall we? Lord, we, we just ask you right in these moments to bless us as we open your word. We pray that we wouldn't hear the word of a man, but instead your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning and that you would awaken us and renew in us the understanding of your amazing love for us, how real it is, how personal it is, how protecting it is, how powerful it is. Father, I pray this morning that that as your people gather together in this place to worship you, that it would be truly a celebration of your love. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the good news is we have a Father who loves us. And that's played out in a lot of different ways, but we certainly know that because of the Father's love, the Son came into the world and gave his life for you and I ransomed his life, that those who are captive in sin could be purchased back, brought back into a relationship with him. He came to free us from our bondage, to, to bring new life into us, that, that we might be uh, one with him again and enjoy that relationship that, that he intended from the very beginning. And as I'm discovering and growing in the word, I, I, I see it over and over again that that God's word reveals his amazing, amazing love for us. It reveals our desperate need. It, it reveals our sin, and it, and it shows us how we have been broken by that sin and how sin has consequence for time and eternity in our lives. But, but we over and over again see a God, a Father, who loves us and meets us even in the midst of that sin and pride provides hope and, and redemption in that sin. And when we begin to understand the Father's love, it, it, it really changes us. I've watched it in many lives. Usually, uh, we start out thinking uh, that, that we need to respond to God's love because we don't want to go to hell. Isn't that right? I mean, so we, we become law keepers. And, uh, and, and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and I'm going to keep your law. And, and we diligently try to do that only to find that we don't have the power to keep that law. And we fall short again and again and again, and yet we find God's love there to pick us up and to hold us tightly and, and then provide what's needed in our lives to live that different life. And over a period of time of, of failure and forgiveness and renewal and God's love invading our lives again, we, we begin to understand that, that that love is what really changes us. It's God's grace in our lives. It's, it's his mercy at work within us that, that takes us where we are, even in our sin, and, and loves us enough not to leave us there. But it changes us, and suddenly, instead of just being law keepers, we discover that we've fallen in love with a God who loves us. And that love makes all the difference in the world. It changes how we see God. It changes how we see ourselves, and we discover that he is a loving father who, who knows what will hurt us, and like a loving father, warns us away from that hurt, reminding us of the consequence of sin, and, and he disciplines us because he loves us. 
And, and then he runs to us, even in the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of our hearts, and, and protects us and holds us tightly and promises that he will always be there no matter what we face in life. When all of that becomes more than just nice things that we think about, it, it really moves us to trust him and to live in faithfulness before him. It, it, it begins to change us to the place that, that we are motivated to a life of faithfulness, a life of, of uh, holiness. It leads us uh, to, to become all that God had created us to be and intended our lives to be. And he wants you and I to know just how much we're loved. And when we begin to fathom that deep, deep love, it, it changes everything. Now, I believe that, that most of us gathered here this morning are, are probably excited about living for Jesus. Amen? We want to live. For, well, maybe we ought to try that one more time. We're excited to live for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Oh, yeah. Now I know you mean, you mean what you say. <laughs> uh, I, I think we, we want to live faithful lives. We, we want to be the kind of people that, that uh, honor him and glorify him. And, and friends, quite honestly, when we begin to understand how deep his love is, it moves us into that kind of life. Now, in Isaiah 43, I say all that to say that, that uh, the words that are shared here in Isaiah 43 are words to a desperate people. God's people had sinned again. <laughs> they, they, like you and I, they had ignored God's warnings that were meant to move them away from the consequence of their sin and move them toward himself and his love, and, and, and yet they had once again disregarded God's warning. The God of the universe was speaking to them and, and really sharing words of love and protection, and power, but, but these were a, a rebellious people. I kind of relate to that some days, don't you? I think so. Uh, and yet, even in their rebellion, God came to them in, in a very personal way. Now, God had every right, quite honestly, God had every right to distance himself from, from, from Israel, from the people of God. They had, they had disregarded God's law. They had repeatedly sinned against God. They had walked away from him down a pathway that would lead them farther and farther and farther away from the Father and his love. They had, they had done all of the wrong things and made all of the wrong decisions, and yet here came a loving father, so loving his children that even though they had wandered far away, he came to remind them of the relationship that he desired with them. God had sent the prophets. We could name them all. I can't pronounce half of them, but <laughs> we could name them this morning. And the prophets called them to repentance. And, and they would repent and then ignore. They would repent and then fall back into sin. But what they really needed to understand was when you ignore God in his warnings, when, when you fail to walk faithfully with him, there's always a price that has to be paid. Now, 
God has the final say. I, I think we understand that, don't we? Uh, when this world comes crashing to a violent end, God's going to be there to catch his people. <laughs> God has the final say. And when he says, repent or else, that sounds hard, doesn't it? But that's the reality. We either turn to him and find forgiveness in him and find his love in all of the goodness that he brings, or we pay the price. There is a payday someday for our sin. God has the last say. Now, for these people in Isaiah chapter 43, even though he's offering words of hope and promise and protection, he's also helping them see that that will come even though they have ignored his love. Now, the northern kingdom of Israel had been conquered by Assyria in 722 B.C. and led off into captivity, their land and their cities destroyed. The southern kingdom of Israel had lasted a little longer, but in, in uh, 587 B.C., Babylon came along and laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, destroyed it. The walls of Jerusalem were torn down, the temple was destroyed, uh, and the people of God were led astray into captivity into Babylon. The promised land, that precious promised land, was now in their rearview mirror as they headed to Babylon because God has the last say. And he calls us to repent or else. Now, I think most of us can relate to that because we feel like we're living in a strange land today in America, don't we? I think we do. We, we look around us, we listen to the news, we see people, and, and there seems to be a growing, growing brokenness, a, a sense of hopelessness over, over the world we live in today. Everything seems to be out of control, and, and we seem to have no ability to change anything. And, and again, there is a hopelessness. But like God in the Old Test and his Old Testament people, he, he is speaking to you and I this morning who feel like exiles in a foreign land and, and reminding us that we are incredibly, unbelievably loved by him. Here in Isaiah 43, God shares incredible words of comfort for his people, a displaced people, a discouraged people, a defeated people. A, a dominated people, and yet a people who could enjoy God's love. I want us to see just what God has to say to them, because I think he's saying the same to you and I. God had a promise of hope for those folks who were living out the consequence of their sin. Look at verse 1, because there we find that that father who loved them, loved them with a very personal love. And God says, you are mine. Look at verse 1. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You're mine. Now remember, these were a people in captivity, living out the consequence of their poor decisions and their sin. And God comes to them in a very personal way and says, I got this. I've got you. I love you. 
He says, I created you. I, I, I formed you. I redeemed you. I know you by name. I call you by name because you're mine. He created us, which shows purpose, doesn't it? Uh, he didn't need us. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. But it wasn't a matter of need. It was a matter of want. He wanted us and created us for a relationship with himself, a relationship of love, a, a relationship that, that brings the fullness that God intends to our lives. He said, not only did I create you, but I formed you. That shows intentionality, doesn't it? You're not an accident of conception. You're, you're, you're not a, an amalgamation of molecules that somehow came together in the primordial ooze and crawled up on the, on the seashore. No, God says, I formed you. You were specially made in your mother's womb. I love you. He says, not only did I create you, not only did I form you, but I also redeemed you <laughs> while you were were far off and captive in sin under a death sentence because of that sin. I pardoned you. I bought you with a great price. Peter puts it this way uh, back in the New Testament in chapter 1, verse 18 of 1 Peter, for you know that you were redeemed uh, from your empty way of life inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. And then Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. God reaches out to us in love and says, I created you, I formed you, I redeemed you. You're mine. I know you personally by name. Now, belonging is important, isn't it? When something belongs to me, that, that usually means it's, it's special to me. Now, I, I, I want to use an illustration, and I'm not going to press it real far because you'll understand why. But Carol, my wife, belongs to me. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to push that too far because she'd get me if, if she knew. But, uh, uh, you know, she's, she's my wife. And because I love her, I... I try and do the best I can to take care of her, to meet her needs, to even meet her wants and, and desires, and, and to make her happy. Every once in a while, I'll even do dishes. Now, that's a sacrifice. <laughs> but she belongs to me. But I also belong to her. Do you realize how valuable you are to God? I, I hope you realize just how much he loves you. Melody mentioned a little bit ago how, how incredible it is to think about how much he loved us and gave his son for us. Because he loves you, there's joy in being together with him. With him. And when we're with him, he cares for us and, and protects us and blesses us and meets our needs and, and completes us and satisfies us and ushers in the shalom of wholeness and completeness, the peace of God. We are redeemed sons and daughters. He knows us by name and he says, you are mine. 
the God of the universe, the God of all creation, is speaking to these captive people here in Isaiah 43 and speaking to you and I and reminding us that we are loved with a very special love. God has every right to distance himself from you and I because of our sin. He could if he chose, but he doesn't choose to do that. Instead, he chooses to come to us and, and love us. Even though we often choose to walk away from him, he continues to pursue us. What a, what a, what a personal love that is. But we also find that God's love is a protecting love. The Father's love is a protecting love. In, in verse 2, he says, I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. They will not be, you will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. <laughs> uh, I want you to notice in that second verse, it's not if you walk through the fire and the water or flood, but when. You see that? It's, it's, not a, it's not a matter of, of if it can happen, it's when it can happen. The trials of this world and this life are absolutely guaranteed, and no, none of us want to go through those kinds of trials and tribulations, but it's going to happen. Uh, they're already on God's calendar. He, he's not surprised by them, and the fires and the floods are going to come, but they're already calendared, and he knows when, and he says, I will be there with you. <laughs> That's a loving father. Those are sweet words. When you realize you're going to walk through the fire and the flood, and, and yet you'll never, ever be alone because of his love for you and I. He doesn't run when the fire begins to rage. He doesn't run when the floods begin to rage. Instead, he comes to us and meets us there. We could probably all tell stories uh, about the challenges that, that, that we've lived through and the, the difficulties of our lives. Every one of us could give a, a long list of those kind of fires and floods, but, but, but we have a promise from God that says, I will be with you no matter what you face. Even if the whole world turns and runs in the other direction, the moment you face hardship, God says, I will be with you. Now remember, the, the, the people of God in Isaiah 43 were, were under captivity at that time. They, they were facing, again, the consequence of God's discipline in their lives because they had regularly, repeatedly, uh, rebelliously turned their backs upon a loving father. And yet he's assuring them that even in your captivity, even though everything seems to be falling apart, even if there is no hope on your heart, I will be with you in the midst of that. I don't know about you, but when I fall, when I fail, when I sin, I, I tend to kind of beat up on myself. My, my heart gets black and blue sometimes, not from God, but from me. The Holy Spirit knows I do a pretty good work on myself. But like a loving father, he always comes and he always forgives and he always restores. I love those words of 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. His faithfulness, that, that's who he is. 
That's what he does. That's the God that we're talking about here, who meets us in the hardest moments of life, in the darkest sin, in the blackest decision. He says, I will be with you. Several years ago, I was able to hear Tim Keller speak. I don't know if you know who he is. He's one of my favorite preachers. He's a Presbyterian, but I I enjoy him anyway. (laughs) He's the pastor of Redeemer Church in Manhattan, New York. But he made a statement that night that, that just gripped my heart, and I've read it in other books that he's written. I've heard other sermons he's preached, and he's said it again. But, but listen to what he says. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Let me say it again. I want you to hear this. We are are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. God's protective love is there. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what the violence around us may be, no matter what the hardship may be, God is is there for you and I because he is a loving father who is ready to meet us in the darkest moments of our lives. And by the way, God is not disillusioned with you. He had no illusions whatsoever to begin with. He knows every sin that we ever have committed, we are committed, or we ever will commit. He already knows. And yet he says, I love you. You're mine. I call you by name. God's complete knowledge of our lives is is absolutely, he, he knows the darkest deeds you and I have ever done or ever will do, and yet still says, I love you. And like a warning father, loving warm, warning father, he, he warns us away from that sin. But when we fail and fall, he meets us in that sin and, and offers to restore us and redeem us and renew us. And in that, <laughs> we find hope. Because of his great love, our faithlessness doesn't stop his faithfulness. Should we obey God? Yes. Amen? Should, should, do, do, does he want us to obey him? Yes. Does he warn us away from the consequences of our decisions of sin? Absolutely yes. But his love isn't dependent upon your obedience. Now that may shake some folks, but please understand that's the truth. His love isn't dependent on your obedience. His love is true and eternal. Fathers, do you love your children? You better shake your head yes. (laughs) Of course you do. Do you you suddenly hate them because they disobey you? No. You still hold them in love. Your heart's grieved because you know they're going to pay a price for that decision. And God's heart is grieved when we disobey him. But he also loves us. His love is a personal love. It's a protecting love that that holds us secure in himself as he renews us, even in our failure. But I want you to see also that, that it's a powerful love as well. 
The father says, trust me because I fulfill my promises. Notice in in verse 5, well, let's start reading at verse 3. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, gave Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I will give human beings in your place and peoples in place of your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone called by my name and created for my glory. For I have formed them, I have formed him, and indeed I have made him. Bring them out, a people who are blind, who have, who have eyes and yet are deaf and yet have ears. All the nations are gathered together. Well, we could go on and on, but let me stop there. Why is it important for you and I to understand how much God loves us? Why, why is that important? Um, I, I think, I think a, a simple way of, of understanding it is you and I can only trust someone who has proven their love. Now think about that for just a moment. I, I can only trust someone who has demonstrated over and over and over again that I can lean into them because of their love, and I can trust them because of their love. I, uh, Carol and I, my wife and I, have been married 49 years in June. And, and, and believe me, I know she loves me. She never would have put up with me otherwise. She loves me. And, and, and through the thick and thin, the hard and the, the good, she has demonstrated that love. And, and as a result of that, I would trust her with my life. Even when she says, Don, I love you, but this is going to hurt. <laughs> I can lean into that because I know she would never hurt me unless it was unnecessary hurt. Trust in, in God's love comes as we trust and, and he proves that. Let me back up. Trust in God's love is not an easy thing until we rest in him knowing that he has proven himself true over and over and over again. Trust really is, is not so much a choice that we make, but it's the fruit of a growing love relationship that is proven again and again and again. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Have you ever faced a challenge and someone walks up to you and says, well, you just, you just got to have faith in God. You ever had that happen? You want to smack them, you know? <laughs> let's, let's be honest. What they're saying is true, isn't it? What we need to do is have faith in God. But if that faith isn't already there, you and I can't create that faith. We, we can't just decide, well, I think this morning I'm going to double my faith. I'm going to be more, more faith-filled today than I've ever been. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can't just choose to trust more. You can't just work up more faith and trust. You can't just choose to double your belief. It's a matter of relationship. It's not a choice you make so much as the fruit of the assurance of a long relationship, proving that love over and over and over again. 
In other words, you trust somebody to the degree that you know that they love you and have proven that love. Again, I know Carol loves me. She's proven it time and again. But because I know that, I can, I can lean into that love and trust that love. You're not going to trust God one bit more beyond what your growing relationship of love with him demonstrates. Living in a fallen world brings a lot of challenge, a lot of hardship, a lot of brokenness. And sometimes it, 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 it's a very painful experience. But, but as we lean into God and discover how much he loves us, and over and over again he demonstrates that love, it, it brings us to a point where, where we just know what we know what we know, and we trust him. We see his hand at work in our lives, bringing eternal good in the darkest moments of our lives, in the deepest pain and problems of our life. He proves himself true through that love. And, and we're, we're, we're shown again and again how we can trust him. And, and that trust becomes a very natural thing. I think a, a question that we all ask at some point in our lives is, will God really come through for me when I need him the most? Will, will he be true to his promises? Can I really, really, really trust him? And the answer is yes. And you know how we know that? Because he has proved it time and time and time again. Amen? He's been faithful. And he's been faithful because of his love for you and I. God wants us to trust him and to love him. And, and you know, <laughs> when we do love him, it's an amazing thing. We come to the place where the questions arise, and yet those questions don't have the power they once had. Instead of questioning God, we begin to just faith it because of our love relationship with him. Instead of rebelling against God, we, we suddenly say, Lord, why, why would I live with that consequence of sin when I can live in love with you? You see, that love has a powerful effect upon our lives. And in that love, as we live day in and day out in that love, it solidifies into a faith and a trust that sees us through every challenge, every problem. And that's what God is saying to the people of Isaiah 43. Even though you're in captivity, even though you're living under the consequences of your own choices and sin, I am here for you, and I love you, and I will bring Bring you back to the promise that I have given you. And you know what? He did. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. God is always, always faithful. And he's faithful because of his love for you. And he wants us to live in that love, to count on that love, to lean into that love, to rest in that love, to live a life of wholeness because of that love. You know, it's funny what you remember over the years, the memories that stick in your mind. Um, I remember as a little boy, probably about five or six years old, sitting in a church service uh, in, a, in a Nazarene church back in Elgin, Illinois, and I remember the preacher was droning on and on and on, yeah, kind of like he's doing today. And uh, I remember reaching my hand up into my dad's hand. He had it draped over the pew there, and I reached up and I, 
I grabbed that hand. I, I remember that moment so vividly because it, it was a powerful moment. I, I suddenly felt such security and safeness as I held onto his hand. My dad was a big guy, is a big guy, and, and, and he, at that point, at five or six years of age, I thought he was Superman, you know? I thought he could do anything. I, I thought he had all of the answers. I, I thought he would always be there to protect me and care for me. And then I grew up and became a dad <laughs> and a granddad and now a great-granddad. And I began to realize somewhere along the line that dads aren't supermen, are they? Best of intentions, but they, they can't protect us. They, they don't always have all of the right answers, even as, though, even as much as they want to. They can't always provide the safety they would love to provide. But let me tell you something. Your heavenly father is superman. Amen? He can leap tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. He can do anything. He's the God of heaven and earth that, that could speak this world, this universe into existence. That's the God we serve. And that God says, I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. God knows all the right answers. And we can trust those answers. He's proven himself true over and over again. We can lean into those answers and live those answers because he loves us. And in him we find our security. We find our strength. We find everything we need to live for him. Do you yearn for that kind of relationship with God? Do you, do you hanker for it? Do you hunger for it? The Father offers each of us a relationship of love that is personal, that is protective, that's powerful. If, if, if you don't know that love, if you're not a part of God's, God's family, you can be. He loves you no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. And he loves you enough that he offers to open his family to you and adopt you, adopt you into that family. You know, adoption's kind of a special thing, isn't it? When we're born into this world, uh, we're born into a family, and we really don't have any choice about that, do we? It's just we're born into that family. But adoption is different. In adoption, uh, it, it's very intentional. And, and a couple uh, of potential parents will learn about a child and, and learn about their challenges and learn about their their problems, the physical, spiritual, emotional, they will meet and get to know that child and intentionally reach out and choose to open their lives to that child and welcome them into their family. And that's exactly what God does for you and I. Intentionally chooses us. Remember, he said, I, I created you. I formed you. I redeemed you. I know you by name welcome you into my family. His love is a protecting love in that once you're his, no matter what this world can throw at you, he is there. The rest of the world will run. They'll leave you high and dry, desert you. But God says, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. And his love is powerful. It is enough and more than enough. The God of heaven and earth 
provides everything for us that we need to live for him. If you don't know that love, right now it's as simple as saying, Father, forgive me. I've made a mess in my life. My life is a mess because of the decisions I've made, and I want to offer that life to you. Adopt me into your family. Bring me to yourself and forgive me of my sin. Enter my life and make it something special as you've promised to do. Love me as you love those children in Isaiah 43. If that's your prayer this morning, that's all it takes. And it's not the magic of that prayer. There's nothing magical about any prayer. It's the heart that is reaching out to him. But if you're a child of God this morning, reach out to a father who loves you with a love that cannot end and cannot be broken. And slip your hand into his hand and hold on tight. Because everything you need is found in the father's love. Amen? Amen. Let's bow. Father... I believe most of us here are your children. And most of us, (laughs) we've done a pretty good job of making a mess of our lives as well. And yet you come to us even in those broken moments and you restore us. You restore that relationship of love and you prove that we can trust you. You prove that you are dependable, that you, you, you hold and offer to us everything that's needed for a life of meaning and purpose a life of wholeness, a life of love. Father, this morning as your children, we we just reach out to you and, and again celebrate all that you've done for us on Calvary's cross. Celebrate the empty tomb and the resurrection of our Savior and Lord Jesus. And, and Lord, we just commit anew to leave this place today with a renewed desire to serve you faithfully. Father, come to us. Call us by name. Protect us and empower, hold us tight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Got to make it down the stairs. Um, so, whoa, there I am. So thank you, Don. Um, just a few announcements. Uh, first of all, if you're new to Living Hope Church, there should be a welcome card somewhere in the area of you. If you can fill that out and place it in a box on the back table, we'd appreciate it. Also, you can place your tithes and offerings. Um, on the back of your sermon notes are all of our announcements. Um, we have small group Bible study, which meets tonight uh, from 6 to 7. Uh, if you're interested in joining the worship team, have any singing capacity or any skills, let us know. We'll love to get you involved. Uh, also, Melody is making our... Um, Childcare and uh, preschool schedule right now uh, for the next few months. If you are interested in serving in that in any way, uh, let me know or, or you can talk to her. She's down downstairs. But connect with us. It takes a background check, but um, always need, uh, especially more just volunteer helpers uh, in those classes. Uh, there's information on children's camp and youth camp on Casper Mountain. If you got questions about that, see me and I will get you the information. The information's on the back table too if you're looking to register. Uh, there's due dates on there, and then we have uh, VBS coming up in the summer, and those dates are on there as well. Um, so yeah, all those announcements are on the back of your sheet. If you have any questions, uh, let us know. Thank you so much for being here uh, this morning. We uh, thank you, Don, for being here. Uh, we hope and pray you guys have a blessed week, and we hope to see you again next week. You are dismissed.